previously on Last Point. Okay, so here's a little background on Quest of the Jedi as we get going. This film was created by someone named David Zaitsky? Zaitsky? Not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. The story goes that he made a Star Wars spoof. Some, I don't know what it is, but he sent it to Lucasfilm. And then in the second issue of Star Wars Insider, they did a little like little blurb about this Star Wars spoof film that he posted that he made and sent there. So then they wanted to make something much more epic for the follow-up, and they wanted to make something that followed the adventures of Jason and Jaina Solo. So they ran into they ran into all kinds of problems filming it. And they got fans from all over the world, from Canada, Japan, Australia, sending them props, submitting storylines, volunteering to act in the film, because they started publicizing that they were making this thing. And they originally intended for this to be the first of a trilogy that they were going to do. I'm really into these Star Destroyer shots, by the way. <laughs> Star Wars fans, move milkers everywhere. Welcome to another bonus episode of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we have a special treat this week for our bonus episode. And it's almost like a bonus featurette to go with two weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago? I think something like that, yeah. (laughs) Quest of the Jedi. If Quest of the Jedi was not amazing enough to watch, we were able to sit down and talk to David Zeritsky himself, writer, director, producer, VFX artist, sound wizard, editor, creator of The Wonderful Quest of the Jedi. He agreed. He he listened to our entire commentary and was like, I want to talk to those guys. He sent us an email. We were shocked. I took a screenshot of the email, sent it to Gabe. I don't think I even said anything. I was like, oh. I saw his name. I saw his name. I checked the email on my phone. I was like, "Oh, oh no! They found us." <laughs> it was a good thing I wasn't driving because I would have crashed. So, if you were like us after you watched Quest of the Jedi and you were wondering how did Quest of the Jedi get made, well, we've got the source here for you. So, let's all listen to uh, a couple nights ago when we had the opportunity to talk to David Zeritsky. David, David Zeritsky, Mr. Zeritsky, 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to our commentary on Quest of the Jedi. I guess the first question, before we get into the behind-the-scenes stuff and how it happened, how the heck did you ever find the Blast Points commentary for <laughs> Quest of the Jedi? You know, somebody sent it to me. Um, one, of, um, one of my followers on uh, my James Bond uh, YouTube had said this and said, is this you? And it's the same way I found Quest of the Jedi, a really, really bad version of it on YouTube, which is unfortunately probably the one that you guys have been watching. And I was just so curious. And I went to your website and I said, oh, this is, this is going to be so good. Waited about a day to make sure I didn't have any interruptions and just had the time of my life. Did you watch it along with us? You know, I didn't start to. <laughs> but then when you started to refer to gladiator armor, I'm like, what are they talking about? And then sure enough, I, I did pull it up on that horrible YouTube copy. And, and then I started to watch it at the same time. Had it been a while since you, you had watched it before that? It has been a while. Not as long as you would think. Um, probably, and I had to think about this too in preparation for this discussion. Probably about five years ago, my kids, who are not really even kids anymore, they're, they're 27 and 24, um, one of them wanted to see it and wanted to see if I had a copy. And I, I found the master copy. I mean, it, not that you want to see this clearer than it already is. But uh, they they wanted to see it, and um, they wanted to see it with their boyfriend. And we watched it, and they just looked in horror at my wife and I. They they were not half as kind as you were. Let me tell you. Well, Jason and I both have daughters, so we'll have to make sure when when they start bringing boys home that the boys they bring home have to sit through Quest of the Jedi, other as like their initiation. Yeah, I mean there might there might be a law depending on your state against that, but you go for it. <laughs> We we were talking in the episode. There was something about before it got started, a spoof, something that you did that was talked that was in Star Wars Insider back in the day. Fill us in because, as you heard, our information was all just whatever we could gather up on the internet. So give us the real story. What's the story of Quest of the Jedi? Sure. Yeah. And some of, some of what you said was absolutely correct. We had, um, just on a total goof one afternoon and I've, I've just, just to kind of lay the foundation, I've always been a huge Star Wars fan. I, I grew up on it. Uh, you know, I'm 52. So I was born in 1968. I was right at the plump age just to go right into Star Wars. And one of the things that, um, I used to collect is the Don Post masks. And I had a few of them and assorted props and I had some, friends coming over and we made something called bud wars b-u-d as in bud the beer why because we like to drink beer and we like star wars and it just seemed like a stupid good idea when you get drunk and and we made this uh with puke skywalker and barf <laughs> vader and yes we right we, we made this this horrible horrible spoof in one afternoon i think i edited it the next day and before they even left we had a movie and I submitted it. Um, and, and I don't know why, maybe because there wasn't an internet back then. Um, they liked it and they put it in Star Wars Insider and Bantha Tracks and Starlog Magazine. And I, I mean, it was horrific. It made Quest of the Jedi look like Citizen Kane, but they, <laughs> they still picked it up. And from that, I got the bug. And, and I'd love to tell you, you know, I, I feel like Tommy Wiseau from The Room. I would love to tell you that Quest of the Jedi was supposed to be a gag, but I, I kind of got serious. And I, I said to my wife, you know, 
gosh, imagine if I put the time and the effort to, to do like a film, just it's, it's not going to look great, but you know, I could pull some props together and I could reach out to the community and see who wanted to help. And she was incredible. I mean, I look back on this. She was incredible. She's still my wife, by the way. She was incredibly <laughs> supportive. And I just said, let me, let me, let me start the process. So it, I, I will tell you, hand on heart, it started out as a very serious effort to make a Star Wars fan film. Well, yeah, I think you can tell watching it because I think that one of the things we love about it so much, like we said, it's, it's so earnest. It's, it's heart is in completely the right place. And I, I, I don't feel like we're alone. I feel like be, after we put out our commentary, so many other people have watched it and all the feedback, at least we've heard from our episode came back was people are like, I get it, but that was kind of actually good. <laughs> well, and, and it's great too, that it is. I mean, you can tell that it's a real movie. Like you put in the effort to make a full movie and it, it's a full movie. It doesn't feel like you like <laughs> ran out of steam halfway through and then just finished it. It was like, you made sure to go beginning to end. It's a, it's a full length movie. And, and that's great. Yeah. And the, the scary thing is, despite the, the final product and the deliverable and what you guys, you know, experienced, um, I sat down and really planned it like a movie, you know, like, like any movie I wrote it first, you know, I, it's not like we set up the camera and said, let's see what, you know, poops out of here. Basically I sat down and wrote it and I, I always wanted it to be a multi-act movie where, you know, there was an artifact, you know, and they, they had to find pieces of this artifact, which I know is such a cliche trope, but I knew, I knew how to write that. I, I knew that I could take whatever character I created, um, I could take them to different worlds. And I know I wanted to explore different worlds and I wanted to have different creatures. So I thought about, just like any fanboy, I thought about what's the cool shit that I could put into a movie and then building kind of the elements of, of story arcs and what a bad guy should be. And I know I wanted bad guys to surround the bad guy. And I, I started to write this thing and I used, it's, it's so funny because as you were going through this, I've had friends in the last few years, especially with the last three Star Wars films, come back to me and go, dude, that looks like your death trooper. What the hell? <laughs> or, oh my gosh. Did, did he just say the Kylo system? Did you know Kylo Ren was going to be in the movie? And I'm like, dude, how was that? It was 1993. No way I was going to know that. Um, you know, and all these different aspects. I used, I think, um, some of their earlier books. What was it? The Timothy, Timothy Zahn books or whatever. Mm -hmm. As kind of a, a basic, light basis of different characters. But I wanted to do The Next Generation. I wanted to do, you know, Jenna and Jason Solo. And there was a conscious decision not to be, um, you know, not to be that director that puts himself as a star in the film. So I went and I sheepishly went to my wife and we, you know, God love her. She, you know, we had a two year old and I said, would you mind starring in this film? I don't know any other way to do it because like you're going to be around the house and most of this is going to be in like a garage and a basement in the backyard. And she was so pliable back then. She said, yes, it was amazing. I didn't realize you said your, your wife is the Jana Solo. She, she's Jana Solo. Yeah. Only in Star Wars do you marry your sister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Believe me, when we had the cast party, and yes, we had a cast party, um, that was the joke, you know, because I'm like, you know, Jason Solo at the end is my Hitchcock cameo. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there she was, all, all married and gussied up. <laughs> 
Well, so you wrote the script. What was the next step like? Did you start making props and find people to act? Or did you just start filming and kind of figure out what you needed as you went through the script? Yeah. So let me, let me tell you the parallel story. So as strange as it is, again, no internet, what was happening with Bud Wars was it was gaining a lot of attention and there were little story pieces being done in little fan magazines, tiny magazines. Again, Starlog had a, a, an update on it. So a lot of people in my neck of the woods actually knew about this guy who made a Star Wars spoof. So it was gaining some attention, um, local comic book stores, you know, VHS, Blockbuster Video, all those things. They, it was starting to gain attention. So I started to actually think about, all right, wh- where on Long Island, because that's where I lived, out on Long Island, um, where am I going to film this? Where are the, what are the different places? What are the seasons that I need? Because I knew this was going to take about a year. I had a snow scene, hadn't snowed. So... I had to really think about logistically at the same time, I'm having people reaching out. So literally, you know, this wasn't like a casting couch. If you reached out to me, you were in the movie, you know, or you were building a prop or one guy said, Hey, um, I can't, I can't do anything, but I can, I can draw really well. Great. You're doing the cover art. Yeah. I, I build models. Great. You're doing the Phoenix. And one guy said, I'm really good at, I kid you not, I'm good at blowing things up. I'm like, great. I guess we're going to have the Phoenix explode in the scene. <laughs> so, I mean, the script was the script. And then it grew almost organically out of, out of the people that were raising their hands. But I mean, originally it started as my wife and I, and then it just blossomed from there. Wow. Were there storyboards involved ever? Oh, that's adorable. No. <laughs> uh, there were there were scratch pads, and I don't even think I typed it out. Uh, no, it, there wasn't. And, and you know what? This is, this is going to be so horrible to say, but I think you see it in the film. I literally, throughout the entire filming, which took about a year or more, um, I was gathering props, and I was getting better props. And as this, this fan film as it was being made, became more well-known, I was, I was, there was more people reaching out with accessibility to props and gadgets and all these types of things. And so literally I would get a Boba Fett helmet and, and I'm like, Oh shit, I got to write Boba Fett into this. Look at this helmet. It's so <laughs> badass. You know, a biker scout helmet shows up. I, I, I need a forest scene. I need a kick-ass forest scene, which, which is why the forest scene is so overdone. Like that day I was in love with, Biker Scouts. It goes on for like 45 minutes or something. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Right. But that yeah. influenced the movie heavily. And, um, you know, the, the scene, it's like a spaceport scene that goes into my basement of a cantina. That spaceport scene was filmed at my wife's in my college, Stony Brook University out on Long Island. And that was a lot of fun because, as you can imagine, we had to get there super early on a Saturday before students woke up and film that. And of course, if you watch it, now you guys picked it up because you're really observant and intuitive. It's the same damn creatures walking back and forth for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you spotted some of the things, by the way, uh, the, the He-Man, you know, the Ezrog is the He-Man uh, yeah. <laughs> staff, yeah. for gosh sake. Yeah. Well, that reminds me. So how many different basements were used as sets? One. <laughs> One garage. I think I can tell you all of the all the different uh, locations. It was my uh, my parents' backyard for the snow scenes. 
it was uh, their forest. They have this huge forest system for, for one of the others, the Dalroth or whatever. Um, it was Stony Brook University. It, um, and that played Yavin 4 as well. One basement, one garage. Is there anything else? Yeah, there was this weird abandoned helicopter port. Again, one of these guys, you know, that I guess the guy that liked to blow things up said, I know where there's a helicopter port. I don't know why I'm giving him a Southern accent. He did not have a Southern accent. But uh, he said, I know where there's an abandoned helicopter port. Meanwhile, we get their chain link fence, military signs saying forbidden. Uh, but no, we, we filmed there. Of course we yeah. did. You have to. Had to. So one of my favorite parts in all of it, and the part that when I first bought a VHS tape of it in whatever it was, the early 2000s, the Admiral Akbar scene <laughs> with the droid. Was the Admiral Akbar scene, like a part of that, did, a, did an Akbar mask come? And follow-up question, the droid that's with Akbar, what was the creation of that? Yeah, so, okay. The Admiral Akbar I, I had for years, that was a, uh, this is going to, I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth. That was a pullover from Bud Wars because we had an Akbar scene and it was such a popular scene because people were like dying laughing. We wanted to have Akbar revisited. And, uh, you know, by the way, I, I, it doesn't say this anywhere, but I literally, every time you see a creature, Calbos, bad guy, otherwise. It's my voice. You know, because I, I, I couldn't in all conscious ask somebody to do these lines other than me. So I'm puppeteering Akbar. In the scene where Akbar is standing there full, I'm sitting there. And I think my wife is sitting there with the toilet roll droid, you know, kind of looking around. And I'm instructing her to look left now, look right. Calbos walks in, turn right. Um, yeah, so I was playing the George Lucas as well, which is uh, just just so so proud. You, do you have any behind the scenes footage? <laughs> you know something? Um, <laughs> again, when I when I heard your thing, I had to revisit. So I looked at my stuff. I have all of the footage. Oh wow! Um, and and I am I am going to uh, just I, I was going to announce it at some point on here. Number one, I'm going to get you guys a uh, a master copy version of it, whether you want it or not. Oh, we do. Oh, oh we do. Yeah. Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll see. You know, like like the Ark of the Covenant. If it burns through the box, that I ship it in. <laughs> um, the other thing I will do is I will I'll give you the raw footage. I mean, there's tons of bloopers. Um, yeah, and if boy, you know, I I can't imagine there's enough drugs in the world. But if you want to watch it, go for it. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. We. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, one of, one of the things I have to tell you, uh, kind of correction time, but it's fun correction time. Um, one, of the, one of the things you had made mention, I think, earlier on in your, in your commentary, you said this was always going to be a sequel or something like that. Believe me, this was never going to be a sequel. <laughs> in fact, um, my wife, who's the sweetest you know, person in the world, did agree, and I agreed with her as well, that she would never be in a film of mine. <laughs> And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I was so impatient. I mean, I was not the person I am now. I was a young buck and, you know, just this was a big project of mine. It was my, my way to create things and, and, and to build a ship in a bottle. And, you know, so I would get frustrated. And uh, so, no, this was okay. there was never going to be a part two, thankfully. Oh, 
We'll stop. We'll stop waiting. No, no. By the way, there was something that was really wild on a uh, Reddit board because there's a whole Reddit board on this. I come to find out from somebody else that somebody said that my wife and I got divorced over it or something, or she left during the filming. And I literally, she's upstairs watching um, Animal Kingdom or Outlander. I don't know which which one, but um, she's here. Like there was no divorce. That was crazy. I mean, I, I can't, I can't lie to you and say it brought us closer, but it certainly didn't pull us apart either. I love that uh, gossip. Quest, Quest of the Jedi gossip out there on Reddit, of course. Right. Yeah. Quest of the Jedi broke up their marriage and hurt my eyes. Well, so some of the things I was curious about, and I think I I was speculating during the commentary, but like, what was the, I guess the, the final, like, what was the editing like, like putting the sound effects in and stuff? Cause in, when you were filming, there wasn't, you didn't do it on your computer, right? You didn't have a MacBook to, to edit on. No, you, you, you guys, I was very impressed. You guys nailed almost everything. You're like, is that ad at in front of a TV? Yep. Yeah. Not a big one either. Um, so, so basically, Editing, and which is why the copy looks the way it does. Editing was, you know, sometimes a camera pointed at the TV as I played it on a VHS or from another camera. Um, I didn't have any, you know, somebody told me like three quarters of the way through, you know, Radio Shack has a mixer in it. And I'm like, screw you. Shut up. What? (laughs) Where were you, you know, three months ago? Um, so editing was was as you thought. Press play on this one. Press record on this one. Stop. Hope that the wavy rainbow line doesn't show up too much. Go on to the next thing. Wow. And then yeah. was sound effects in that the, the same way? Like, did you edit the picture first and then go back and add sound effects? Or did you try to incorporate the sound effects while you were editing the picture? Oh, yeah. Th- this was fully artist bit. This was as it was recording. <laughs> okay. Um, so I had the mic attached to it, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I demand that you get Boba Fett to the, you know, yes, Lord Calabos. You know, it's like, no, it's, that's, in, including having sometimes a soundboard that would only do a part of a Tuscan Raider, which is why you hear the, the Wookiee-ish Tuscan Raider, like, wah, wah, wah. That, that's all this Tuscan Raider can say, which is, you know, I'm not trying to mug you. I guess that's what it's trying to say. Oh, so, so you were literally recording dialogue while you were pressing play. Like you were doing that all by yourself. You didn't have uh, another set of hands to help even. Wow. That would have been great. No. <laughs> wow. Even more impressed. No. In fact, when we did have the cast party, we did have, I invited everybody who helped. I mean, there were, doesn't look it, but there were, you know, oh gosh, 18 to 20 people that helped with us, maybe more. And I had them all over the house. I, I even made Quest of the Jedi t-shirts, which I think I still have one. Oh. And we had a party with food and drinks, and we showed it to everybody. And, uh, you know, back then, I think if you were just a part of something, nobody was doing that. There was no, you know, 501. There was no San Diego Comic-Con. Um, nothing like that. You know, there, were, there was Hardware Wars, you know, which everybody looked at in awe, of course, if you I'm sure you've seen Hardware Wars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Once or twice. But um, there, there was nothing like today. I mean, you know, of course you look at Quest of the Jedi today, and it is a fun romp, and it should be, of course. But it was, for, for the people in the room, it was something that they, they were a part of for a year. And by the way, it took me, oh, gosh, it took me two to three months to edit. Wow. And I remember distinctly some people getting a little ornery 
and being like, we had to change the cover. Yes, we had a cover to the VHS tape, um, the date on it, because we just kept blowing the timeline. And what was weird about it is there were a ton of um, companies or companies, stores, boutiques in Long Island that wanted to carry the tape, including our local Blockbuster and things like that, which they did carry the tape. Wow. Crazy. In the late 90s, that's like, that's how you know you made it, right? You're at Blockbuster. So absolutely. And by the way, this was <laughs> when we, when we premiered this, it was 93 or 94. Oh, wow. So it's even earlier than we thought. Yeah. You were before Troops, which was, you know, the, the Star Wars fan film that blew it all open. Literally, Quest of the Jedi was before the whole fan film boom. Oh yeah, there was Hardware Wars. I mean, really, that was that was kind of it. I mean, if any, if there was anything else, there wasn't anything of I'll call it notoriety out there that was gaining attention, which is I think why people nationally were talking about it. And now, and now it's the room. I mean, it's the room of Star Wars essentially. I think that's one of the things that when I got that VHS tape that drew me to it, like, cause I was so used to these Star Wars fan films that were, I think we kind of said this in our commentary, we're trying so hard to be cool or hip because Star Wars in, in, in its George Lucas nature is never very cool or hip, but your Quest of the Jedi was a full length film. And when I got that VHS tape, I remember being like, I can't believe this. Like it's going over an hour, 15 minutes and it's, it's so sweet at its core. Like your love that you put into it, I think is in every frame. I don't know. Just my opinion. Wow. You have to show me that sometime. No, I, that's sweet of you. Thank you. I, I will say this every day that I was working on it, every, every time, you know, every blaster that you see, um, every, every, every gladiator chest that's painted white, <laughs> um, that spray paint is on my fingers and, you know, not to, not to sound all, you know, mookish here, but, it's true. I mean, I did it out of pure passion for this. And, you know, I, I knew at the end that, you know, it, listen, it was never going to be, you know, a Star Wars movie. It was always going to be a fan movie. But again, I, I had so much heart for it. You'll notice I didn't do another one, um, but it, it was a lot of fun. Well, that gets me. So you had your, the, the party with everyone. It was, it was in some video stores. Like what, kind of what happened what was the next step like did did you get more notoriety or did it just kind of it was just there like what what was what was next well what we did was we put an ad in starlog and i think a couple of other there weren't a ton back then but there were a couple magazines out there starlog and fangoria i think we put one in and we we put a little tiny ad in there i didn't have a ton of money but just a little something and we were inundated we we I think for eight months, I guess I shouldn't be saying this publicly, but I guess <laughs> Disney won't come after me now, hopefully. Um, for eight months, we were sitting there and, well, for the first month, Danielle and I were just trying to make videotapes and slap stickers on it. And the demand became so high, we actually had to go to a professional company in Long Island and get hundreds of these tapes made, <laughs> which is crazy to think that, I've caused that much damage to people's brains, but we, we did, we shipped them and they were, they were shipped all over the world. And, um, there was even a guy, kid you not, who I met at a convention and we did, we wound up showing the film at several conventions, mostly in Long Island or New Jersey, um, chiller convention, things like that. 
And um, a guy was such a fan of it, I think just because, again, of the heart and the, you know, the kookiness of it. And because don't forget, it's not like today where you can turn left or two degrees and you see something Star Wars. There was nothing out there. We had nothing. So this guy had made a 12-inch cowboy style. Wow. Which, you know, the big red bad guy. And I was like, it was damn near perfect. All with its little idiosyncrasies. So I mean, it was just—it was amazing. A lot of lot of nice attention. Wow, that's great. That's great. By the way, one one thing I, I will mention—it's just a part of the the crazy journey that this thing has gone on. After Quest of the Jedi, I it fueled, if anything, my passion for Star Wars. So what happened was, um, as I was slowly becoming a young executive and I had some more spendable money. And people were becoming a little bit like Star Wars was actually becoming a thing again. There was like that kind of crossover where it was getting big again. Um, I actually started to buy really much better props. I mean, I probably could have made a much better movie. Um, you know, if you if you do a Google search, you can find me doing conventions in like full Boba Fett outfits. I mean, ones that look like really, really good. Ones that would almost pass muster today. And then um, I actually branched into collecting screen-used props from like Indiana Jones and Judge Dredd and all these other things. That quest of the Jedi wound up fueling a lot of my hobbies and imagination uh, to a pretty big crescendo. Well, going off of that, as far as things you've acquired over the years, what is a prop that you have that is maybe your, your favorite or most prized? We'll stick to Star Wars, Star Wars prop. Um, you know, something I, I loved, (laughs) I, I used to have about five or six biker scout outfits. And for some reason, I just, I always liked that character. So it's not, it wasn't the most expensive thing that I've ever had, but it was probably one of my favorites. One of the most expensive, um, Star Wars props that I had was this uh, creature from Phantom Menace, um, that Jar Jar Binks kind of rolls his tongue around when they're talking to Watto, it was like hanging up. It looked like this kind of fish toady creature. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was probably <laughs> the most expensive screen use piece that I had. But, um, star Wars, my entire, when I moved off of long Island to New Jersey, my entire garage was filled with star Wars props, uh, costumes, toys. I mean, it just, it just, again, you know, this, it just had fueled. It had gone from this like goofy Akbar mask to something that was really screen accurate. You know, multiple Darth Vader helmets and things like that. Um, Full size R two D two. My 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 daughter, who's now twenty seven, her middle name is Leia. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of penetrated every part of my life back then. So all these years later, as you know, our our commentary we did kind of bubbled up. Have you? How often do you hear about Quest of the Jedi still? Is it is it not as much? Is it semi-frequently? Oh, never. No, no. I mean, which is why, you know, your review was so rare and unexpected and wonderful all at the same time because it's nostalgic, you know, rushing back to it. And um, again, you guys, seriously, and I'm not saying this because I'm speaking to you. I said this, you know, over an email as well. You were, you were, you were, first of all, every line you said was hysterical. When you... So Winter and the guy that gets killed, that older guy that you were, um, that yeah, he gets killed at the end. I, I don't even remember his name, the senator. They, those are my in-laws. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Because I had to have family. You know, nobody else was going to do this initially. 
But when you did, they have a very, very strong Bronx accent. So when you were doing like more than anything, they're your fourth daughter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I took a hit upon the left quarter piano. I'm going to have to go back to Yolvin Four and get a donut and a yogurt. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was crying because it was so dead on. But it's rare. I mean, there, were, there was, I don't know if you noticed on YouTube, there's a guy that actually built a semi-professional movie trailer for Quest of the Jedi. And he wound up like rotoscoping special effects, which was very funny. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. You got to check that out. Um, but that's, that's about it. That's other than uh, seeing a, you know, a poster in my basement every now and then that's, uh, that's pretty much it. So now tell us a little bit about the Bond experience and what you're doing with James Bond, because I had no idea. I went on before we did Quest of Jedi, and it was digging around in the air, and I was like, holy smokes, because we're, we're Bond fans too, but I don't think anything close to the level where you're at here. So interestingly, as I was whittling away from Star Wars, I was, again, getting into screen-accurate props and screen-use props, and I, I had a penchant always for James Bond, but I started to really collect the gadgets. And probably when I was about 32, um, was around when Tomorrow Never Dies came out. I started to, again, executive. So I started wanting to collect um, items from movies that I could actually wear. Because I'm thinking like, you know, am I just going to display these things? Are you just going to sit there and I got to dust them every day? And I'm like, no, oh, that's not a lot of fun. But here I am an executive. And what if I buy a suit or a watch that James Bond wore, or a pair of shoes or, you know, sunglasses or something? Like, what if I start thinking about the sartorial aspect of James Bond? And James Bond's really capable you know, he understands wines and liquors and that might come in handy being a young executive and cars. He likes cars. Well, I like cars. And so I started to gravitate to Bond and pretty quickly within a year or so, all the other props and replicas and things kind of went the way of the dodo. And suddenly I had a James Bond collection. And I would say in earnest, probably around 2006 to 2007, during the Daniel, Daniel Craig, you know, Casino Royale Quantum of Solace time, um, I started to do reviews of different products that James Bond used. And I started to write about it. Then I started to film it and I put it on YouTube and it kind of blew up. And, you know, now I do reviews for, you know, Tom Ford and, you know, Bollinger Champagne and, and, and all these different brands. Um, go to different events and locations. Um, the Bond Experience is my YouTube channel that it's just been a great way for me to create. And I think even if you go back to Quest of the Jedi as a journey, I've always been one of those individuals that needs to create something. I mean, you guys are podcasters. There's something within you that wakes up in the morning and says, we need to talk about this. You know, we, we yeah. it, right? It's an unfinished thing. But it's the same with the Bond experience. Um, and so two, maybe three times a week, you, you see videos come out. And yeah, I've got some people that actually dare to watch these things. So did you kind of continue the Quest of the Jedi production method? And then are you filming and editing and doing all of the your YouTube stuff yourself? Or are you too busy now that you have to get some help? Yeah, well, I, I have a little bit of a team, which is they're, they're great folks. Um, I, I do... 90% of it myself, I do what I call the raw editing, and then I send off the videos to get what's called a final editing, which makes it all look pretty and beautiful and special effects, And because I know better. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, but I do use some of the things. I mean, the whole process of uh, working out, how do you tell a good story? 
I mean, at the, at the fundamental basis, when I sit there and talk about a Tom Ford suit that James Bond wore, I still have to tell a story. I still have to have a beginning, a middle, and end. I have to have drama. I have to have, you know, what are the characters in the story? What are the environments to which they're happening? What makes it interesting? But that's kind of where it stops. Um, I, I don't script anything I do. It's all improv. Um, you know, I think about it in my head. I kind of plan it out. I think about the environments and I just go, go, go. Off the top of your head, each Bond actor, favorite Bond movie. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, Sean Connery, Thunderball. Roger Moore, Live and Let Die. Uh, Timothy Dalton, Living Daylights. I guess George Lazenby on Her Majesty's Secret Service is an easy one because it's his only one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan, Goldeneye, and Daniel Craig, uh, Casino Royale. Why didn't pause at all? <laughs> you, you may have put some thought into that before. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe I've been asked. I don't know. <laughs> Do you still have a, a collection of screen-used Bond stuff, or did you kind of move away from that when you got into – the more tangible items or do you have a prop or something that you're really proud of? I will send you gentlemen a link right after we get off of this, but I have the, the, my basement, which is kind of my man cave is the footprint of our house. And it literally has a display and collection from every one of the James Bond movies, all 25 of them, including the newest one, which hasn't come out, which already has a big display filled with, Props, gadgets, wardrobe, uh, mixed with screen accurate, screen used, replica. It's it's pretty massive, actually. Wow. Yeah, you get you guys will love it. You you you're a Bond fan. It's kind of like you know Willy Wonka, where you open this door and you're like, you know, come with me, and you and you're, you're like walking amongst these props and things like that from the movie. Wow, that's great. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, with Bond, you know, like Star Wars has been around for so long. There's just so much to it as as a collector or just a fan like there's you know decades of stuff that it's just so great to see it it is and and i i know i'm like you know banging a drum here but the people in the bond community the 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 fans and the other collectors and people who do what i do on social media they're just i mean the biggest hearted people um so nice it is the best part about it i mean i would i would dare say, give up my entire collection just to retain the relationships and friendships that I've made. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because quest of the Jedi, as, as much as it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the fun debacle that it is, the, the relationships that were made during it, including my wife, um, you know, are, are indelible. I mean, those are the, the strong points. Can I ask you guys a couple of questions? Of course. Of course. I don't know. I don't know if this is a one-way street or a quick <laughs> no, 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 um, no. We we are the only ones that can ask questions. No, feel free. Whatever <laughs> you do. This is the law, not to yeah. walk on all four. Um, so, you know, obviously, one of you had seen this. One hadn't. How how was this discussed? Even in, in preparation of this, it's like, all right, buckle up. You know, g- get a couple libations. I mean, what was what was the impetus behind watching it? J- Jason is the one who bought the tape. He literally has been telling me about this for, I think it for real 20 years at this point. Yeah. And we just never got around. I never got around to watching it. He never, well, cause he never got around to making me a copy of it. <laughs> um, and we've been doing this podcast for what, four years now. And yeah. it literally almost every other week when we're figuring out what episodes we're going to do at some point, quest of the Jedi comes up and it just never was the right time until it was the right time. And we just had to do it. That's hysterical. Oh my God. <laughs> when we first started, 
the podcast, one of the ideas, I think we said this in the commentary, one of the ideas we had, well, wait, we've got to do something for Quest of the Jedi. But we never, like we said, we never knew how to approach it. And then when we reached this period of time we're in right now, where we're, and we're doing these bonus episodes, we're like, now is the time for Quest of the Jedi. <laughs> well, and one of the things with our show, too, is in addition to just ordinary Star Wars-ness, we're both huge fans of just all the really weird out there stuff that kind of surrounds Star Wars outside of the movies. So Twist of the Jedi was one of those things that it's just, it, we had to do it because it, like we said, it's just, it's a fan film before there were fan films and it just, it has so much heart and it feels like Star Wars because it's so goofy and sincere and it just, yeah, we loved it. Yeah. You guys were so good for me because, you know, I, again, over the years, a couple people have, you know, when something would debut in Star Wars or a comic or a cartoon or Clone Wars or, or the new movies, they would point something out and go, my gosh, that looks just like you. But you guys were like experts, like you were calling out characters and being like, wait a minute, did, did, they, did they just take out Quest of the Jedi and, you know, here's the handbook? Yeah. That was actually really helpful to me because I wasn't even aware of those things. Well, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, people because a lot of the people that uh, work at Lucasfilm now are, are all around our age, and they probably a lot of people that saw this tape. I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be. I mean, and this is not ego saying this. I wouldn't be surprised either, just because again, it's one of these things. Like they have so many Star Wars fans that now work for them. In fact, the best employees at, at Lucasfilm are the Star Wars fans that have become you know, executives and creatives there, which is why the Mandalorian is so great. But I just, I, I have a feeling they probably have at least heard about it or seen an excerpt from it. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. You don't get super deep into Star Wars and not crave stuff like Quest of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's, that's very nice of you, gentlemen. That's, that's really great. Well, it, it's very wonderful of you to agree to talk to us. And you, uh, we were probably as surprised as you were to see us talking about quest of the Jedi to see you emailing us so quickly after our episode. So this has been just so great to do, to talk to you and find out all the, all the secrets of quest of the Jedi. Oh, I was happy to, to share at least what I could remember. So, uh, it was, it was nice. It came rushing back to me. Oh, well, yeah, like it's, it's, it's our pleasure to, to not only talk to you, share the film out with, a whole lot of new people. Like I said, I, I just from our experience, we know a lot of people watch it on YouTube, and who knows? Maybe one day there'll be um, a high quality version for folks to watch out there. I don't know. And if there is, would you know? You have our full support behind any future Quest of the Jedi endeavors. Well, if if you if you want, like I said, I'm happy to send you uh, a really really good like master copy, <laughs> and uh, you can do it what you would like. And, um, I'll even get some bloopers over to you just because this is an easy one for me. It's not like anybody else is asking. So, uh, <laughs> by default, you get it. Great. It's pretty easy. Well, yeah, this oh, has been a real pleasure, a real treat. Uh, it's been a, a lifelong goal of ours. So yeah, we thank you for taking the time to, to talk to us tonight. Oh, again, my pleasure guys. And let me know if you need anything else and I'll, I'll send you a little care package. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect. Absolutely. My pleasure.
No se alarme, es tan solo un duelo con espadas láser. No tenga miedo, es tan solo la estrella mortal destruyendo otro mundo. Calma, es solamente una película y es para pura diversión. El director George Lucas y 20th Century Fox presentan Star Wars, la guerra de las galaxias. This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. So everybody listening, you know what the deal is with Apple Podcast Reviews. Please write a new Apple Podcast review. We need some new ones to read. We haven't had any in a while, and we're getting lonely over here. We're in the house all day. <laughs> You're just incessantly refreshing iTunes. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Today's Today I'm feeling lucky. Oh, here we go. Oh, so. And after that, check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, you got to be in the Super Chill group, and we are still doing weekly watch-alongs. We just did Phantom Menace, and it was phenomenal watching Phantom Menace with the biggest Phantom Menace fans in the world. We could all feel George Lucas, his his energy smiling at us from across the world, his his back of the restaurant energy i love you miss for some reason the, our rear surround sound speakers were just people in a kitchen you're, you're my favorite people i love you um, yeah and this saturday night we are watching the mandalorian episodes one through four next week five through eight you want to be there for that it's gonna be a lot of fun and if you want to support the show in a different way, you know, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where we're talking about Clone Wars every week. This episode comes out on Thursday. If you're listening on Thursday, we might all explode tomorrow morning. Go and tell your family you love them. Go make sure your will is in a safe. You have uh, paid all your bills, whatever, because, yeah, Friday morning, you might just be a pile of dust. <laughs> Once Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 10, Part 2, whatever it's going to be called, is supposed to mess people up. So, And we're already still getting over last week's episode. Yeah, If we're still alive, we'll be talking about it on Saturday for, for everybody. But that about wraps up this bonus episode. Seriously, how great was it talking to David Zaretsky? I, I still can't believe it. It's the high point of the month. If not the year to this point, really, to find out all the secrets of Quest of the Jedi. Everything you wanted to know about Quest of the Jedi. Strange times. Strange times. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. And uh, 
Yeah, this was great. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll have more fun coming your way next week with uh, more Saga Year next week. So get ready for that. So until then, talk to everybody later. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. craziest thing i guess i should have said this on the podcast but i i haven't stayed in touch with any of those people like the um the one guy with the uh, mullet he was my barber at the time believe it or not that guy with the mullet was a barber um <laughs> i know the, the irony of it but uh all of those guys i think are still out on long island so i just i fell out of touch with them but they would be they would be so happy to know that people are you know have a, a running commentary now may the force be with all